everybody welcome to another great episode of rugby swag this is the show we're talking about all things rugby and the people that have taken advantage well we got a great show we're gonna be talking comedians buying rugby teams yo what's that about also we have what is happening in college rugby and what you need to do to get ready in 2024 with our special guest Aaron Fong Donahue. Uh, we got MICR, Memphis Inner City Rugby, amping up their stadium. Uh, MLR and the Players Union have now come to an agreement. And of course, let's talk first seven, six nations. And of course, of course, we're going to go take a look into the uh, comments, y'all. This is Rugby Swag. Let's get to the intro. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. You are now tuned in. Yo, welcome, welcome back, y'all. Uh, I love that you guys are here. Yo, this my name is Gift Gift Time A Bailu. And of course, this is Rugby Swag, y'all. We got an amazing show, as I said. But of course, of course, before we get started, I gotta make sure I remember to let you guys know if you could please, please, please uh like and subscribe to this video on YouTube. Of course, I would love for you guys to absolutely check us out. But if you can't check us out on YouTube, because I know not everybody is able to jump down on it. We want you to be able to go ahead and you can find us on social media. Go ahead and find us on Rugby Swag Show on Instagram, on X, uh, at Gift A. Bailu, or Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, Twitch, or TikTok, at Gift Time Rugby, G-I-F-T-T-I-M-E Rugby. And, of course, if you guys aren't about looking at the videos, man, I want you guys to make sure you can hear it and you can find it at any of your major podcast streaming sites. That's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartMedia, uh, and so many more. Google, I think, while it still exists, you know, this is always a toss-up here or there, but that's neither here nor there. But we got one that I'm excited to be able to talk about. But, yo, look, as I always say, we need to make sure we take care of the people that help take care of us first. So I want us to get to these messages. But, yo, I, you don't want to miss this one because – we are going to be talking about what is happening in the rugby league. Are comedians now taking over rugby league? We're going to let you know right after these commercial breaks. We'll be right back. I'm going to let you get back to the show in a moment, but I want to talk to you about our sponsors, Health Enhanced Foods, the best specialty flowers in the business. What does that mean for you? That is the flowers that allow you to be able to get the nutritious need from your bread made. That's muffins, bread, croissants, whatever, pancakes and muffins. It will give you the opportunity to be able to get the best while still being able to eat like you wanted to. We have various amounts of products available for those who have special dietary needs to those who are looking for a special health outcome. And of course, because they're part of the Rugby Swag Show, we want to let you know that you got a chance to go to healthenhancedfoods.com and use code Rugby swag to be able to get 20% off your first order. Y'all, this is something that you're going to need. You got to build up, have your energy at the best, be the maximum. It's 2024. Let's do the best. But now I want you guys to get into it. Let's get back to the show. 
Yo, man, I want to welcome you guys back. Yo, shout out to my guy, Bruno. Hey, man, I'll see you too. Como vai, amigo, to the bomb. And I hope to the bomb and tomo vai to the rest of you guys. But, yo, let's get into our first story of the day. And we are going to be talking, what's comedians taking over rugby? That is right. It looks like there is some news going on that David Letterman and Billy Crystal might be purchasing the Rapitos team. Uh, I, I Again, one of those things that you find absolutely random to absolutely happen, but it's not something that came out of nowhere. This was talked about on a show off of David Letterman's channel, um, and he was talking, I don't remember what the ladies' names are, but they were just, uh, he was wearing a South City shirt, but you know what? I don't want to just tell you about it. Let me show you what is going on here. Uh, so check this out. That's right. Wait, it's a, itiner, it's a It's a man or a woman who goes door to door selling rabbits for Ugh. eating. Those are the rabbitos. Anyway, they got their own rugby team. Yes. Oh. And here's the best part. Uh, I am now a proud owner of the South Sydney rabbitos. Oh, how did that happen? Well, uh, you know Ryan Reynolds. Yes. Oh. And his uh, pal Suge Knight. Got together and bought a soccer team in Wales. He's in prison, isn't he? Should Ryan be. Reynolds? <laughs> anyway, that's where we got the idea. And so um, Billy Crystal now own the South Sydney Rabbitohs. It, we, it's a rugby team. You're a big rugby fan? I love it. I, uh, you know, that's how my mom hurt her hip. What? That's fantastic that you own a team. I Thank you. Think. Yep, yep. Are you going to be spending a lot of time in Sydney? Yes. Because, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney, they're both right. very handsome. Yes. Well, what about me and Billy? Very, very handsome. handsome. Different generation, but yeah. handsome. Yeah. yeah. Handsome so anyway, no no, we have a deal now. That we're going to do a, a show all about the uh, uh, Rabbitohs, uh, Billy and I, and we'll, it'll be on the uh, uh, Worldwide Pants streaming. Uh, I predict... Worldwide Pants Club. You have to go to Australia? Ryan Reynolds yes, and we'll, Rob McElhenney yeah. are going to sue you. Why? Because you're ripping them off. No, I'm not. We're not ripping them off. They, they're playing soccer. We're, we're playing a real sport, rugby. But it's the Rabbitohs, uh, people who would come door to door. I, I, I wonder if they still do that in South Sydney. And, and so rabbits. Oh, rabbits, ma'am? No, we're fine. I don't know. I'm going to All right, so yeah, you heard it, right? Like he's saying it now. There's talks that he might be, you know, this might be a satire. In the article, this was uh, pronounced by Awful Announcements. Um, they said that it was possibly a satire, but I don't know. Look, when it comes to things like David Letterman, he's talking about putting it on his channel. You never really know. We already saw what did happen with Ryan Reynolds and Rob Meckleham with Wexerham. Great docu-series. Everybody was able to absolutely entertaining, absolutely entertaining, heartwarming. 
I would love to be able to see this happening uh, for rugby. Even if it's rugby league, I would love to be able to see it happen for us. So let me know what your thoughts are in the comments. Let me know what your guys are thinking. Would you want to see David Letterman and Billy Crystal uh, doing a docu-series? David Letterman, king, former king of late night, if you want to say, was able to do some big things. So what's, what, what it may be? Him, Russell Crowe, Billy Crystal? Hey, the battle of the old guys, man. I, I, I love it. I love it. <laughs> Well, y'all, look, we're going to get to an ad real quick, but I have a great, great conversation going on about what to do to get ready for college and with rugby uh, because it is February. College, the rugby season is kicking in, but if you're a high schooler, this is a time where you need to get ready for the next year. We got a special guest, Karen Fong Donahue, uh, with the Rugger's Edge. She'll be on the show next. You guys stay tuned, get informed. We'll be right back back hey everybody this is just the break train sitting out a personal little video diary to all you people out there where i am going to document me riding most of the way between singapore and tokyo for the 2019 rugby world cup i needed help and it came from louisiana we in singapore baby gift from gift time rugby usa is a extroverted tour de force but what unites us is a hunger for adventure. After KL, Kuala Lumpur. Gift, where are we? We're in Fiji! Oh. baby! Our love of Asian rugby culture. One, two, three, center! Rugby is, is starting to develop here in Cambodia for women as well. Valkyries, the mighty, mighty Valkyries. We're out here, we're running out of energy, we're running out of money, and we're feeling isolated. And yet at that critical moment, friends, family, sometimes complete strangers come on board. Before you know it, we're back in the game. Tokyo, here we come. Malaysia. Thailand, Cambodia, Vietnam. Watch the full adventure at crugby.vhx.tv. That's C like S-E-E rugby.vhx.tv. Welcome back, y'all. Welcome back. Yo, look, as we said, the February month is coming up. That is, if you're listening at the moment, that is today, tomorrow. Uh, if you're listening to later, you're probably already in it by this point. It's all good. Works the same. But what comes with it is a new matrix season for a lot of teams. The spring matrix season, winter, if you're down south like me, under the equator, um, is starting to kick in. And the college rugby season is getting up really, really high. But, of course, you, this is also the time when the high school students need to start really prepping in for their college career next year. And I want to bring in our special guest, an expert when it comes to college readiness, when it comes to rugby and using rugby to be able to get into college. She is the founder of the Ruggers Edge. She is a longtime college prep and, of course, a, college, a rugby player as well. I want to introduce you to Karen Fong Donoghue, homie for the show for a long time. Karen, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Hi, I don't know if uh, you can see me right now. Can you? 
Yes, we can. Yes, okay. we can. All right. Wonderful. Yay. This is so cool. I'm so excited. Oh, I, I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to be on today. Uh, look, you know, this is one of those situations where, you know, for a long time, it's been at least the over 10 years that I've known you. And I know you've been doing it even before that. Um, watching how college rugby has just evolved over these last 10 years and been able to see such a, an impact uh, for so many kids in this day and age. But I think there's still so much confusion that is happening when it comes to getting people prepped and ready for college. Um, so, you know, kind of just starting off that, um, you know, from where you've seen it from just a, 10 years ago to, to now, what has been one of one, some of the real key changes that have uh, you've seen evolve as, as college rugby has changed? Yeah, uh, it's it's amazing to me that um, so much has changed, you know, honestly, in a very small amount of time. Um, so, I mean, I, I think, you know, when I first started the Rugger's Edge, um, there were some questions about whether or not I could ever, you know, have a company that was really focused on college rugby, you know, because, um, you know, there's been plenty of college counselors out there working with traditional sports like football and baseball and those sorts of things. But rugby at that time um, really was not on anyone's, um, you know, horizon. So, I mean, the, a, a couple things I think have really changed um, the game. It's such a big pun, but <laughs> um, obviously on the women's side, really the growth of the NCAA programs. So that I think adds a lot of legitimacy to, to rugby in general, but especially on the women's side. So when I first started the Rugger's Edge, I would say the vast majority of clients coming to me um, were male players. Um, and now, honestly, I have probably more female athletes and families coming to me than the other side. And a lot of that is because they've realized that Oh, there are legitimate programs out there where, you know, there are scholarship opportunities or there's admission opportunities at some pretty big name schools. Um, and now rugby is really like on par with, you know, soccer or volleyball or, you know, kind of those those long traditional recruiting sports. So definitely on the women's side, seeing the NCAA growth, that has been huge, 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 huge. So I can talk a lot more about that. Um, and then second, the other side is obviously on the men's side, even though not NCAA, there is still a growth of the varsity, you know, you know, supported programs, as well as kind of those hybrid programs, at least club programs that are getting a lot more support from their institutions. So just overall, I mean, I think the level of rugby, you know, is growing. And so it's less of the, oh, you want to go play good rugby and here's five schools now there's a really big list that i can put together for you know for students right there's 25 30 programs you get to choose from instead of oh here's the three to four that we all kind of know about so that's been great too just to see the variety grow my god I, I did not realize that the expansion had been so heavy though i am not surprised in the women's side because of what had been going on with uh uh, uh the the ncaa uh, side of it. And I feel like there's been a lot of investment that goes uh, to the women's side as well. Um, you know, even though there are more opportunities, I think there is clearly still a lot of confusion that goes along with uh, getting people ready to uh, apply and be able to find and be eligible 
uh, to play and even, if possible, receive scholarships. So if you were a college senior or a college senior, I'm sorry, a high school senior or a high school junior at this point, uh, if you could, maybe more junior so because you know, give yeah. them a couple of years. Yeah. Um, what would you say is uh, would be a place where people need to start if they want to be able to play college rugby at a high level in college and uh, to be able to get uh, opportunity to to be able to play uh, paid, if you may. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So a couple things. So number one, uh, with all students, um, I, and this is a little bit of, of toot my own horn, but one of the first things that I will tell a lot of students to do um, is to go ahead on, on my website. If you go to ruggersedge.com under what we do, you're going to see online content. Um, I do have a webinar, a, rug, a college rugby 101. Um, it's really worth it for most families to watch that. It gives you the, you know, the the overlay and the the landscape of what college rugby looks like. What is scholarship? What is recruitment? So that you understand what the the realistic opportunities are out there before you go down and start sending, you know, emails and trying to put together highlight films and sort, you know, things that may or may not really play a role. Right. So the vast majority of programs out there still are club. So if there's a junior out there and their college list currently are schools that are club programs. So um, you know, here in Colorado, let's say it's CU Boulder and then you've got, you know, I don't know, um, you know, University of Denver and then, I don't know, Louisiana State. Right. I know you're Louisiana guy. Oh, well, um, so <laughs> you've got these club programs. Do you really need to start reaching out to coaches and sending them, you know, uh, you know, like recommendation letters or film? Like, not really, right? Like, if you want to touch base with a coach at a club program, that's for the student. Um, so, I mean, I think to understand how you're going to spend your time and and whether or not it's worth it for you, that's a really good starting point. So, if you go to my website, that's the first thing I would do is watch that College Rugby 101 to kind of no kind of ground level. This is what college rugby is. This is what it isn't. Okay. Once you have that basis going on, let's say you do, you know, follow my recommendations in there, which is to start thinking about what college list you have, right? So what we just talked about is once you start figuring out, um, you know, th this is the location I would like, this is the major I'm thinking about, this is the size of the school. Now you start putting together that list of, of programs. Honestly, at, at a certain point, I tell students to separate out the rugby from the, the point of going to college, the academic part, right? Rugby is a, is a piece of the puzzle, but it's rarely the reason you're getting into college. So even the programs that are varsity and can help with admission, they don't carry the kind of swag that um, like a, a D1 um, you know, bowl contender football program would, right? They're not going to be able to get a, a player in who academically is not viable for that school. So if you are a rugby player and you are looking at, you know, Dartmouth women's rugby, the best thing you're going to do is make sure you're set up academically to get into that school before you even start approaching all the recruitment stuff of filling out recruit forms, talking to coaches and things like that. So like, the number one thing is really, honestly, like do the work in the classroom because that's going to be more important than what's happening out on the pitch. Um, so, I mean, that's the, the very, very first step. Like I tell a lot of students that uh, if we think about the college process, it's a little bit like building a house. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, we cannot do anything unless the foundation is solid. And the foundation of this house we're building is your grades, the classes you're taking, and potentially test scores. So those are the academic pieces that that's going to be the first thing we look at before we get to, are you a great kicker at fly half? Right. Are you a really strong hooker? Do you throw really well? I mean, like most programs, before we even get to that stuff, they need to know, will you be successful in college? You know, it doesn't do any of these programs any good to recruit a player who cannot academically make it for the first semester or the first year, you know, any of that, right? So like no program is, is in a position where they want to waste their money, their recruitment spots on players that cannot survive and be successful within that college program. Does that kind of make sense? That makes perfect sense. And it, it, it goes into what would actually be my next question is what is it that these kids also need to know that have changed now in 2024 when it comes to academic prep? I know since I was in high school 20 <laughs> odd years ago, you know, we had 1600 SAT and uh, 23 to 36 ACT. Yeah, yeah. That seems to have gone out the window. I think we're at 3200 SAT last I heard. And I don't know even if the ACT is yeah. even considered anymore, <laughs> you know, so, you know, for for what they need to prepare for in their academics outside of obviously trying to get their grades up at a high level, mm -hmm. what are the additional outside forces that they need to be able to make sure those schools know that they are capable of yeah. being able to perform yeah. in uh, college? Yeah, great question. So it's so funny. It went from 1600 to 2400, went back down to 1600. So just so you know, you're, you're not wrong. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that I stress all the time with students, um, uh, when it comes to testing, um, because I mentioned it before, it, it is a piece of the puzzle. Um, it may or may not be mandatory. And the reason I say this is, okay, a couple things. If you're going to do testing, ACT or SAT, every single college, if they're going to take it, they'll take either or, so you don't need to take both. Um, if you do well on it, it can help. If you don't do well on it, you could potentially apply to colleges that are still test optional or they're test blind. So, for example, University of California schools, UCLA, UC Berkeley, UC Davis, those are all test blind schools, meaning they don't look at testing at all, so it doesn't matter for them. But let's say you have a list with those schools, plus you're adding um, University of Utah, which will look at a test. If you have a good test score, it will help you. So, I mean, the main thing that's different, I think, is the understanding that if you don't have the high enough score where, you know, years ago it might, it might be something of, oh, you didn't get the score, you really shouldn't even apply. You're never, you know, you didn't, you didn't have kind of the goods there. Now you could apply without the score. You could go optional. Um, however, the, I would say one of the changes that happened this year, because a lot of the test optional stuff happened because of pandemic, which feels like so long ago, but it actually wasn't. It was only a couple years ago. Wow. Um, many schools are reverting back to test required. So one thing I would make sure, especially if you're a junior, again, the reason for really starting to nail down what colleges you're aiming for is then knowing Am I applying to MIT this year? If you are, your test scores are going to be required. Are you applying to Georgetown? Test scores are going to be required. Oh, I'm only applying to UC schools. I don't need to worry about testing at all because they don't take them. So right. I think that helps you again kind of figure out, 
what do I really need to work on? You know, because I think some families, the reason they're overwhelmed is they hear this one rumor over here at a dinner party. They hear this from another parent at a rugby game, right? And it's like, hang on, let's wait a minute. What colleges are you aiming for? What do I need to do for these colleges? Instead of getting too discombobulated about, oh, I, I, I need to do this, I need to do that. And it's like, it, it really depends on your schools, you know, what you need to do. The only other big thing that I'll mention for families to be aware of, starting this year, um, this spring actually in March, um, the SAT is going to a digital format. So ACT is staying with paper, okay. um, the way we took it, right? You know, like you bubble in all your answers. Right. Uh, Many have broken pencils. Uh, <laughs> the, um, the SAT is now switching to a computer format. Um, so some students are really going to have to make the shift just mentally of how do you take a test on a on a computer and the way that there it's there's a little bit of artificial intelligence included in that test. Um, there is also a webinar, by the way, on my website. Uh, I, I co-hosted something with um, a test prep company that explained the way the new testing is going to work, which is essentially once you start missing questions, your test track is going to change. So if, if you basically, you know how like if, if me and you were going to take the old SAT, we all right. get the same test booklet and we're kind of answering the things. What's going to happen on the digital side is, let's say you and I are taking, uh, we're on the computer. You answer the first one correct. I answer it wrong. Your next question will continue to get tougher. Mine might continue to get easier. Like there's going to be um, basically a ceiling of how how high I can get. Um, because of how I start answering questions, the computer will start to um, adjust its questions. Um, it, it's a whole, it, it's a weird, I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. I think everyone's trying to figure out how to prep for it. It's going to be yeah. slightly different, right? Understanding how to use the, the digital um, uh, calculator, like how to answer. Yeah, things like that. So that's going to be one of the changes we'll see. I just read something the other day. ACT is playing around with a digital ACT. We'll see if that comes around. So, I mean, these aren't like deal breakers, but I think, again, especially if you're a junior or younger, these are just things to be aware of, right? Like these are maybe coming down the pipe from, from an academic standpoint. Right. You know, it, it, it sounds like they're trying to really raise the floor for the kids uh, as opposed to uh, dr drop the ceiling. But I, I find that such an interesting uh, kind of re-strategizing on how you have to go look at how you take tests. Because I know for me, you know, my mind would be like, okay, look, how do I get like somewhere within 12 to 1300? I don't want to get the hardest questions. I don't really want to work that hard, but I want to get like, you know, a solid middle ground, you know, so I can pass enough people will like me. But, you know, we might not go overboard, <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I will say, in, in an interesting turn, I think, um, kind of like with everything, right? I think with technology, it, it is also trickling over into the recruitment side, too. You know, I, I think when I meet with students now, uh, I often get a lot of questions about whether they should make their own website, whether they should make their own kind of rugby Instagram profile, if they should... Um, 
reach out to coaches more on social media versus through email, um, things like that. So I think the obviously the the youth, right, the the, the young people out there, that, that's where they're most comfortable. Right. Um, and then obviously using things like Next Phase Rugby, which I think has been a really good addition um, to just the overall recruitment, you know, puzzle. You know, I think, you know, everyone was like, I, I think I had people wondering why I would tell people about Next Phase. And I said, look, we're completely different companies and they're complimentary, you yeah. know? So I, I think it's so funny when people are like, oh, and then there's all these other companies, like, are you upset about it? And I'm like, no, like we're, I'm a very specific type of college counselor. Um, yeah. and, and, and I have gotten to the point where I understand I may not be for everyone. And that's a good thing, you know, just like colleges, right? Like Drury is not the same as Lindenwood and Lindenwood's not the same as central Washington or university of Oregon. And every single student is different too. And like being okay with that. Like when I talk to college programs and they tell me like, how are we going to recruit? You know, we're not varsity or we're not this or that. I'm like, you don't have to be, you know, like there are students don't want a varsity experience. They literally say to me, you know, on a scale of one to 10, 10 being like the most serious, the most competitive program out there, what kind of program do you want? And they'll say, you know, like a five. I wanna play, I wanna have fun. I'm not gonna be a professional player. I'm not making a national team. Yeah. I just wanna play good rugby, make friends, have it be a part of my college life. That's awesome. Like there are college programs that are like that and they should, kind of double down on that and then yeah. talk about it like hey we're a fun team we go play good rugby we have a great time we have friends for life that's awesome there's tons and tons of players that are looking for that they're not all looking for the west point naval academy experience you know what i mean it makes perfect sense it makes sense uh, again like you said not everybody's trying to go like let me go pro in life it's like let me just be able to have a guiding, almost like a fraternity sorority. Let me just get my group of people. I got my network. I get to have some fun playing. And then, hey, I'm going to get yeah. my degree at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of that is what makes rugby such a cool community, right? Like, it, it's not just about the players that have made it, you know, like pro or national team. It's like players that continue to play club into their 40s and 50s. You know, I right. mean, that's those are the people you want to stick around and stay with the community and go to the games and cheer on the Eagles, like that kind of thing, right? So like we want every team, you know, yes, we want to lift up the professionalism. I think that's a good thing to aim for, but I think to not lose sight of the fact that like it's a fun game, you know, it's a, it's a fun community and that's a good thing. So that, that, that's my little soapbox. So, <laughs> yo, I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, you know, as, as I said, never too, you can never be able to uh, get enough of the rugby as long as you're able to catch the culture the way that you need it to be. And I think as long as you're hitting that, you're able to, you know, succeed and, and grow within the sport uh, yeah. as on and off the field, respectively. Yeah. Oh, I was going to mention one quick thing. You, one of your first questions was kind of one of the big uh, changes. Um, I will mention one of the things I've really noticed um, is the influx of international players coming here to play rugby. Okay. So originally, I think I got a lot of interest from players um, hoping to come here because they're thinking, oh, varsity rugby, scholarships, right? Money, like they're thinking, um, 
varsity football, right? They're, they're thinking that D1 football kind of experience. Right. Once people started figuring out that within rugby, while there is scholarship money, it is rarely that full ride experience. Right. There's still a lot of uh, international players that have a lot of rugby experience, but do want to come here for that classic college experience that you don't get at international colleges. So I do think that's been interesting to see a lot more players. Like I, I see a lot of players from Canada, um, from um, the Asian countries. So like Hong Kong, Philippines, Guam, um, Singapore. So you have a lot of expat community there. So you have a lot of families that are looking now to come right. back and rugby ends up being a piece of it. So I think that'll be interesting to see how these teams develop with not only domestically grown high school players, but really international um, right. you know, players coming back here and kind of continuing to grow the game. So that, that'll be a fun kind of development, I think, in the next like five, 10 years. I think that's going to be an interesting because of the fact, especially because of kind of this renaissance back uh I, I assume a lot of universities are going to be trying to push to get more internationals if the american domestic side is dwindling maybe even a little bit in in uh admissions uh mm -hmm. maybe a little bit from before so to, to know that's at least an opportunity to uh still get the experience of the american rug uh, american collegiate life uh, I think it's definitely one, yeah. uh, a one of a kind, right? <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Karen, I want to thank you so much uh, for the information. Thank you for so much for telling us. I, I know you've mentioned it a couple times, but where can people find you uh, to be able to get advice or to be able to use your services? Yeah, absolutely. So ruggersedge.com um, is my website. So just how it sounds, R-U-G-G-E-R-S. E-D-G-E, I hope I spelled that right, <laughs> .com. Um, you'll see a, a button there that says work with us. You can fill that out and just, uh, I always offer a free 30-minute consultation so they can do that with me. I can find out more about their family, you know, see what questions they have, see if we're a good fit. Um, lots of resources that are on my website as well, including summer camps, high school tournaments, um, as I said, some online content, lots of informational webinars. And then um, just on Facebook, I have a Facebook page there as well that I post regular updates and things like that. But I would love to connect with families. I'd love to connect with teams. Um, I do lots of, uh, you know, like webinars for teams and things like that to help them uh, get a group going on what, what needs to be done. So, I mean, overall, the, the number one message I tell every single high school player, family, team, if, if someone out there wants to play college rugby, they absolutely can. 100%. There is no doubt in my mind, you know, Joey might play at a different program than Sammy, but they're going to get a play. If they want to play, we can find a place for them. So that's part of the, the kind of amazing part about rugby. So if I can help continue to help people continue to play, I'd love it. So that's part of my, my mission here. And I'm so happy to be a part of it. And thanks so much for having me on. It's always so fun to see you. And oh. you haven't you haven't aged a day <laughs> since we met 10 years ago. So I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I, the feeling is absolutely mutual, Karen. The feeling, look, you know, this is this is what happened when we're in this rugby, rugby loving industry. You know, when we're having fun, it, it helps. It helps. It's yeah. craziness. It goes a whole lot of different directions, but it's joy to our hearts when we see it all come together. And I think that's what keeps us going these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you'll have to send me this so I can share this out too, that I can make sure that people know where to find you and and this show. How cool! Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Karen, thank you so much. Thank We're going to talk again very, very soon. Yes. No worries. Guys, we'll be right back uh, after this. Uh, we got uh, more stories happening in, in rugby. Uh, MICR is killing it out here. Uh, this is Gift Time, Gift Time, Gift Time, a Belu with Rugby Swag. Till next time. Cheers. Before I let you guys get back to it, I want you guys to go check out rugbyoutletmall.com. Yo, this is the place where we are bringing in casual rugby wear. We're trying to set up the designs, make sure that we are giving you something to represent rugby. That's not just a jersey, and that's not just your kit. It is something that you and your friends and your mama and your kids and your parents and your best friend and your wife and your husband and your boyfriend and girlfriend and your they and just make sure that everybody is able to rock some rugby gear without having to necessarily be stuck to any one type of rugby gear. We want it for your day-to-day, everyday life. I know that's redundant, but that's how beautiful we want it to be. You know, definitely check out our most recent update, our rugby swag show shirts. Uh, they're available now for purchase. You guys can get it. And for any first-time buyers, I'm talking to you. Yo, I'm giving you guys... 20% off the first purchase. Take as many as you want, 20% off the first purchase. And of course, if you guys get on the newsletter, you guys are going to see more coupons and discounts that come along with that as well too. But 20% off, and all you guys need to use is coupon code GROWRUGBY. That is G-R-E-A-U-X RUGBY. Great quality gear. Definitely something for your presence, something to be able to give. Obviously, we just got past the year, so that means birthdays are coming out. Valentine's Day is just around the corner, and you have so much more. Go hook your family. Hook your people up with what's right. Hook your people up with what's right. Go to RugbyOutletMall.com and enjoy out. And, of course, it helps support the show and our media endeavors. Let's get you back. Yo, welcome, welcome back. Yo, look, man, our next best story of the day. Yo, Memphis Inner City Rugby. Now, if you guys don't know what Memphis Inner City Rugby, not only are they our 2019 HBCU Rugby Classic champions, but they are one of the most prominent programs in inner city rugby, more or less, uh, in the country. They have been a leader when it comes to using education and rugby to be able to help kids in disenfranchised situations and being able to elevate them to the point where they have had multiple All-Americans, multiple pros, and a thousands of kids that have entered college uh, like never before, all using the power of rugby to do it. And this week, last week, they had a huge announcement, huge announcement, where they were receiving 1.1% million dollars from the counties, the city of Memphis, Shelby County specifically, to be able to redo their field. And I got to give them the biggest applause. This is one of those where you go, it is absolutely, absolutely amazing to be able to have uh, in that situation. Now, you know, one of the reasons why they've been able to do that was because of the fact that they have been one, a, a, a program that has been going on for almost 14 years for 14 years now, 12 years now, um, run by Shane Young, who's the co-founder and director of MICR. Uh, they were able to work with you schools and work with the city uh, to be able to be given a grant uh, that allowed them uh, to go ahead and, and be able to get this offering. 
This makes a huge difference because the field that they've been using had been an abandoned uh, middle school field. And I've been over there. It's big, but it was very empty. Very, 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 very empty. Uh, so, you know, to be able to have an opportunity to, like, change up the game and now be able to add, like, real facilities to it. So what they're looking to be able to even do with that is just to be able to add seating to it, add concessions, add bathrooms and locker rooms over there, and really provide a, a element that is great for tournaments, including adding two fields, uh, very clear fields to be able to do it. Shane Young and MIC, MICR Rugby Crew, who consist of coach, full-time coaches, part-time uh, uh, workers, volunteers, and, of course, a slew of students who not just have been able to graduate from the program but also return back as mentors and as coaches, as teachers. Um, they've been able to use that field to just maximize their elements. So for the city of Memphis to be able to see the value to MICR and for MICR to be able to petition for it, Man, that is a big deal, and I think that's something that as a rugby community, not only do we need to praise it, but also be able to see if there's ways to be able to build those advantages because uh, find those opportunities because, man, that, that changes the game so much. That allows you to find ways to fund your program. It allows you to find ways to introduce people to the game in ways that are comfortable. And, of course, from the high school side, whenever you're dealing with parents, Man, nobody nobody likes a good situation where they can just relax and enjoy watching their kids uh, like parents, obviously. <laughs> so, you know, big shout out to MICR for their involvement and their uh, new um, investment into developing their program into more of a powerhouse than they already have been, man. I I, I got to love it. You, you got to love it. Yo, of course, if you guys won't have any comments, any uh, questions, by all means, go ahead and hit us up in the comments. Uh, uh, as I, you know, talking with Karen in the last segment, great situation. Thank you to Karen on that. Uh, and so as we let's transition over to the next story of the day. And that is uh, M-I-C-R, uh, M-I-C-R, M-L-R moving forward with the United States Rugby Players Association in a voluntary recognition agreement. This one is massive, in my opinion, absolutely massive to go about this. So what does it mean? So if you guys don't know, obviously, this 2024 rugby season for MLR is coming up soon. February preseason is kicking in. And of course, there has been a lot of talk about the players union and the need for um, unionization to be able to protect those players. Uh, this comes off of the back of the Gil, the Gil squad, Giltinis, Gilgronis, folding two years ago. And then, of course, this past summer, um, this winter and summer, where the Toronto, uh, where Toronto and New York both folded uh, unceremoniously, leaving a lot of players on the hook, a lot of money still owed, and people in a lot of confusion. So there had been a lot of talks about this player or USA Rugby Players Association happening. We've talked about it in uh, uh, past episodes. But uh, it looks like there is an agreement that's come together where uh, MLR will recognize the USRPA as a representative body of the MLR, par MLR players. Uh, massive, 
scary, but massive. You know, obviously this is not the sol solution to all the problems, but they are looking to be able to see if this is an advancement to what they can, uh, what they can do. Um, yo, uh, shout out to uh, my guy, Charlie Velasquez of Rugby in Florida, saying I did an episode of uh, TFRO about MICR with Shane Young and the Florida guys, by the way. Absolutely go check out his website. One of the leading followers and, and uh, inf informants and historians of Florida rugby over more than the last 10 years, man. They've been from the beginning. Definitely check out his stuff. Um, coming with uh, the Florida uh, with uh, MLR, one of the biggest concerns that have come out with the players union has been to worry about what it is going to be for uh, uh, payments uh, and being able to get fair wages. This is a very controversial situation, but obviously it goes in a lot of different directions and to some extent has been part of the issue where some teams have folded, but it's also one of the things that need to be had. Uh, with this um, ratification, if you may, of representation of the players, uh, the conversations of fair play and fair pay are going to come up. And of course, the revenue base and the stream and the profitability of MLR, are they going to be able to handle it? That can scare investors, that can scare owners. And obviously it's a negotiate something that needs to be under negotiating table. But of course, I, as they've said in the past, I think, uh, player union board chair Nick Savetta has said in the past, this isn't just about money, but this is about making sure that players are treated fairly and are given uh, what they deserve for those services that they provide. So we'll still know, learn more about what's going to happen with this story as time progresses. But of course, you know, we want to take the wind where the winds are. I'm glad that MLR uh, CEO Nick Benson and, of course, uh, Nick Savetta and the rest of the Rugby Players Union have at least come to a position where they are now able to come to the table together and, and kind of find out a solution for this because ultimately we don't win unless we're all working together. Ain't no enemies that are going to be really made out of rugby if you want to be able to grow the way it needs to grow. So big shout out to them on that. All right, y'all, we're going to be right back. Uh, we got uh, going to take a look back at Perth Sevens, man. There is a lot that happened with it. USA, a very up and down situation. First timers and, of course, uh, what I say, the rise of the new uh, rugby imperial uh, over the next five years. This is Gifte Beilu with Rugby Swag. We're going to be right back after these commercials. I'm going to let you get back to the show. I hope you guys are enjoying it so far. But in 2024, it is necessary that you have your own website. Don't let anybody tell you social media is the only place that you can be able to advertise. You need your own home. And the best home to be able to purchase online is through Green Geeks. This is the web host platform that gives you the most for the cheapest price, y'all. I've been using Green Geeks for almost 10 years now, and off the WordPress platform, I've been able to customize and create websites to my desire and to the liking that I need. Included with it, they give you some of the best customer service in the business, and I cannot say enough about them. They have been able to be a great assistance to everything I do. And if you guys want to be able to start today at $4.95 per month, go to the link in the bio or the link in the caption, depending on where you're at, and go 
use it to help the show and get your site up right away. There's no reason that you need to be having complications that you need to be having paying thousands of dollars to be able to do it or even thousands of dollars per month to be able to get your website up. Go to Green Geeks, check it out, support the show. All right, let's get you back. All right, y'all, let's get back to it, man. Perth 7s happened this weekend, man, and this was another big one. Why? Because it takes us another step closer to the Olympics and, of course, getting an idea of who we are, what we are to expect from this uh, Olympic uh, Rugby 7s that's coming through. So I, I want to just do a quick look through. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't able to get all the slides, man. It's been a very, very busy day. So if I get a little uh, iffy on, on the photos... Just bear with me on it. If you're just listening to it, hey, you don't even have to worry about it. But, you know, first and foremost, I want to go take a look and talk about the winners of the uh, Perth Sevens. Argentina won for the men's side back-to-back. They did it in uh, Cape Town. Uh, they did it in Cape Town uh, back in thing, uh, November, and they came back again with it here in Perth. I've been saying Argentina is one of the most Blue needs to be one of the most blueprinted programs in the world, especially over in the Americas. They have a pathway and a system that is like none other. We're going to talk about that next week. I'm going to have you guys stay tuned, but that's not what we're going to talk about now. And then, of course, you had Ireland Sevens. Uh, first time Ireland women uh, have been able to win a uh, event for the HSBC Sevens a program that has been slowly developing and increasing over the years. I remember seeing them back in 2014 where Captain Lucy Mulhall was at Atlanta Sevens and they were just getting started to see 10 years later, seven years, nine years later. Uh, and, and they are now being able to be uh, atop the winner's booth. Uh, it's absolutely amazing to be able to see. It's absolutely amazing to be able to see. On top of that, we got to see improvements from the women's side. Uh, a little bit of question from the men's side, but you know, it it we'll, we'll we'll see about it. So, looking at the women's side, we had a tough pool for the uh, women. Um, they took on New Zealand, Ireland, and Japan in Pool C. Um, and again, you're looking at a situation where uh, we brought a lot of veterans back to it we saw a lot of the same players that played in dubai and in cape town again uh but i think we were able to see a little bit more cohesion between the team while they did have a softer pool play they definitely came a lot stronger during the uh during the actual quarterfinals uh usa women would take on Ireland, they lost to them 14-19, to destroyed Japan 33-5, and then lost to New Zealand 7-24, to but were able to get into the quarterfinals where they would go and they would beat France 21-5, to a big win, but lost to Australia 24-7, to a repeat effort that has been very consistent this last um, this last several years, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, and one thing that I think is still a big worry when it comes to the Olympics and our attempts to be able to get Olympic gold. Uh, and then they would end out in fourth place in HSBC sevens, uh, in Perth sevens, losing to Great Britain 24 to 10. That scares me as well, because if you guys remember in the 2021 uh, Olympic trials, Great Britain absolutely slashed through our women uh, and 
you know, they won against them in Dubai. But again, this was a team that was just coming together. It looks like Great Britain is starting to find their pathway again and be able to get their cohesion. I've always said pinpoint out Jasmine Joyce. Like she is an absolute monster out of Wales. I know there's others, but she is, I think, a key cog in this whole thing for the women's side. But going back to the USA women, uh, once again, it's a great turnout. We beat Elise France, which I'm glad that we are matching up well against them. But once again, Australia, for the third time, ended up in the finals. And you can be like, oh, they're good. No, 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 no. This is a team that we have to be Australia, New Zealand, and Great Britain, and then on the low end, Canada, are going to always be the teams that we absolutely are going to have to take on to be able to get Olympic gold. They've been the ones that have been the biggest hindrance. And a lot of it just comes from, I think, a lot of youth on the uh on those on australia's side uh their experience obviously led by uh um charlotte castlick uh uh faith nathan and able to really do some damage on those edges and really be able to navigate uh the um, navigate their opponents into making big plays whenever it matters most and that like i said is something that is really terrifying going into the Olympic season. USA still has not found a solve for their efforts on that one, and I'm hoping that they're able to do that at some point in time. Uh, Great Britain, again, that is one that they develop. That's the mixture team between England, Wales, Scotland, and uh, England, Wales, and Scotland. Uh, again, you bring those teams together for sevens, they do a lot, a lot, a lot of damage. Uh, looking over at the men's side of things, um, I'm going to actually take us up to the screen here because I did not, wasn't able to get the full thing on here. But uh, coming up to the men's side of it, uh, you know, we had the USA men uh, coming out of their pool play uh, perfect. All right. They had, uh, they took on Ireland, Australia, and Great Britain. Great wins by the men in that situation. Uh, you were able to see them actually perform up, and it gave a lot of results. A big help to that was the fact that we had our veterans back. Kayvon Williams was back in the lineup. Perry Baker was back in the lineup. Uh, of course, you know, they are major leaders, major game changers. Still had some of the uh, uh, other guys, uh, Mikhail Easdale, um, you um, – and and our scrum half, whose name I don't know why, just passed me up. But, you know, we were able to have a lot of veteran leadership uh, when it mattered. Now, the problem came, as per usual, what happened in the quarterfinals. And it was just the flop. The flop was so significant. I, I, I don't really understand. Once again, a team that we beat in Australia that barely got in came back and mollywhopped a 31 to 7 uh to knock us out of the third place uh the the chance to go into the semifinals itself um and then obviously after that you know we were dropped into uh the to the se uh seventh eighth round which I'm still not fully understanding why we dropped so heavy instead of being able to go into the fifth place one but we ended up dropping and we would end up taking on spain uh to beat them 27 to 12 to ultimately end up seventh 
in the um in in Perth Sevens. So an improvement from ninth uh in in Cape Town, but I mean, you know, what are we talking about here? Like it it it's very, very concerning to me. Again, what is it that we want to expect from our, our men's sevens team? And I think this Olympic is particularly heavy because of the fact that this very well may be, you know, Perry's last. He's Perry's 38 years old. He's going to be 38 years old this year when he goes into the Olympics. You know, been a solid decade of play in each of the Olympics. The men have finished no higher than seventh in the world, despite the fact of being consistent favorites each and every year. So I, I do have a slight fear of what that means for our absolute play when it comes to setting up for the um, setting up for the Olympics and trying to show a huge effort and get the trophies that we need. We at least need to come in bronze on this. Of course, we still got big players, New Zealand, South, uh, well, New Zealand, Fiji. We don't know if South Africa is going to make it in. Who, who, who knows? Um, you know, uh, uh, Australia beating us is a little concerning. There's still a, a team in hurt. Argentina, as I've said, is the I don't even consider them the dark horse. I think they're the leaders in this to be able to win the Olympics. Uh, I think Fiji is a little bit weaker this year. Uh, lost obviously so much talent over the last couple of years. Not to say they don't have natural talent, but they got a loss a lot of talent over the last couple of years. So I am genuinely, genuinely concerned. Uh, about what it's going to take for us to get that because there's no 2028. Uh, when we get to 2020, that's a whole different team. That's a whole different team. And from what we've seen, we have not been able to get over that top. So I'm hoping that we're going to be able to see some changes. Let me know in the comments if you get a chance. Absolutely let me know uh, in in uh, whether in the live or whether you are checking it out uh, afterwards. I want to know what your feelings are. What do you think the USA men need to do to get over the top? And what is it that you see from the USA women that is having such a difficulty by this spread out offense of teams from like Australia, New Zealand, and Great Britain? I, I'm, I'm just, I want to make sure that we are getting the best because I think we have everything it takes. We got the team, we got the athletes, we got the experience, but we got to be able to make it count for, for something in the end. And then, of course, let's transition over to our next topic. Hey, man, we got six nations coming up. Six nations are literally starting up this week. Uh, and it is, you know, I, I think this could end up being one of the biggest ones. Of course, look, I'm coming in as a biased person. I've never been a big fan of the six nations. Uh, I thought that it was very slow rugby compared to uh, the rugby championships that I feel is just a better brand of rugby, even if it is an incredibly one-sided outcome that typically arise from this. But, you know, after the uh, release of Netflix's Six Nations Full Contact, I was able to get better insight into stories of the players, which allows me to be able to want to root and, and go for some of these teams in a little bit more. So uh, this week, you know, obviously it's first rounds and they are not holding anything back in these first rounds. So let's let's talk about it. I don't have more slides, so we're just going to be yada, yada, yadding through it. But 
Yo, first and foremost, I think the biggest game that we have that very well could entertain be the finalist results are France and Ireland kicking off. This is almost equivalent to when France took on New Zealand in the Rugby World Cup to be able to set it up. Like, you're just like, bruh, like, how do you have your heavyweight up front? Like, that's a way to grab people in, but goodness. So in this one, if you guys don't know, this is the two Grand Slam champions in back-to-back years going up against each other. What does it mean to be a Grand Slam champion? It means that you won every single one of your games in the Six Nations and came out perfect, the perfect 5-0 and over the course of the five rounds. And both of these teams in 2022 and 2023 subsequently won. And obviously, Ireland was number one for the predominantly predominant part of last year. And ultimately, you know, both Ireland and France, who were one and two, flopped in the Rugby World Cup. And uh, as we know, South Africa uh, continued their rise to power uh, as they always do. But this is one that I think is interesting. Ireland no longer has a major player like Johnny Sexton. Uh, France, if you guys don't know Johnny, uh, go watch the doc. Johnny Sexton is, is talked about in the doc. It'll help put some pieces together. Uh, I really think that it's something that will help create context. Uh, France is missing their World Rugby Player of the Year and their scrum half, Antonio Dupont, who is going to be trying to work to do uh, sevens and get to the Olympics with France. So. These are two teams that are widely considered to be the best in Europe, but also are missing very, very, very key players, uh, whether due to retirement or other engagements. Um, in this one, I really, it, it's going to be a really close game. I do believe that Ireland will probably come out on top, though. As per usual, France is probably the more talented team. Uh, they still got their leader, Gael Foucault, who you can get to see in uh, um, the Six Nations doc. Uh, and uh, they still got a very talented team that's going to be doing work. But, you know, again, when it comes to distribution uh, between your nines and your tens, man, it's hard if you don't have the guys in there to be able to control the course of play. But, of course, also for Ireland, the lack of Johnny Sexton, who is a game breaker and a deal maker when it comes to rugby, uh, he's not going to be there anymore. There's no more safety net with him. But I have Ireland in this one. Next game up, uh, we got Italy taking on England. Now, if you guys don't know, uh, England is coming to the second year under Steve Borthwick, who I now, if you guys saw my last episode about this, consider him to be Jason Statham of rugby, simply because he feels so intense and talks like this every single time. And it's always about making sure that everything is very poignant and intense in his words, but quiet. You don't go loud. <laughs> I think that this England team is very much improved. Um, big loss for them is that Owen Farrell, who has been their fly half for the better part of the last decade, uh, has is no longer going to be with them for the Six Nations. He's taking a mental health break off from the Six Nations, uh, as well as obviously his transition to France as Next June, he uh, this upcoming June, he goes off from the Saracens over to Rossing 92. That is a big loss. And then there was this recent news that Marcus Smith will not be playing, who is their backup uh, and an up-and-comer, will not be playing in this first game for Six Nations against Italy. Um, but they got the guy named uh, 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 Michael George, 
Uh, and, you know, that dude's a kicking legend. You saw him at the Rugby World Cup, absolutely booting it from wherever. Great distributor, uh, played for uh, Northampton. Great dude. Uh, so I think in terms of fly half, barring a major injury, England should be good. Italy, they have a whole new coach. Uh, they, they have a lot of up-and-coming players that are really hungry uh, from the dock. Uh, it looked like they are, I mean, they have a history of losing to the point where people want them kicked out of the Six Nations or relegated out for uh, Portugal or Spain or Georgia to be able to enter into it. Uh, last season, if you look at the doc, they look pathetic. Not necessarily just on the field, but like the culture was pathetic. Uh, it was really sad, even though look, I you know, give credit to the coach, tried his best, but when you know you just, you ain't got it. This is like, 2016 Detroit Lions. This is uh, basically every single year of the Raiders since 2001, uh, uh, the Las Vegas, o Oakland Raiders. Like, this is a team that is sad. Just, just sad with the history of losing. But they do have new culture. Uh, I, I don't think they're going to end up doing anything against England. I think they're still going to find themselves. I think the last two games is when you're going to start to see uh, Italy pop up. But I look for England to really dominate this game and absolutely take it. Uh, there's no doubt um, that I think England is a much more improved team uh, coming off of the Eddie Jones. And then now, like I said, a second year under Bolswick, uh, we'll be able to see it. And then lastly, you got Scotland versus Wales. Uh, Scotland, uh, you know, uh, if you got to watch a doc, I'll always keep referencing, introduced uh, Finn Russell. Hey, for those of us who don't know about them like that, because I'll be honest, why the hell would I watch the Six Nations? I have no connection to any of those teams over there. So stories and individuals are what make it a difference. I'll consistently say that. Um, but Finn Russell, uh, absolutely going through. I think Scotland is kind of rising up to being one of my favorite teams. Uh, they lost Stuart, Ball, Stuart Hogg last year. Uh, injuries, he's retired out. Uh, but now you've got Blair Kinghorn that's coming up at uh, fullback. Uh, Finn Russell, uh, Mr., as he calls him, the Messi of rugby. Yeah. But uh, they're absolutely daring, dynamic player. I do, I almost guarantee wear the do rag every night to go to sleep. He feels like America's most wanted in the Scottish version. Uh, but they're going up against Wales, a team that is kind of crippled. They're still trying to find their way up. Obviously, there are so many financial issues that are happening with this Welsh uh, union. It's affecting their pro team. They all suck. Uh, and I think this year, Wales is really going to be in contention for what they call the wooden spoon, which is the last place finish in the six nations. Warren Gatland, who is the coach returned back, you know, he's got an uphill battle, but Scotland last year came out strong winning their first two games uh, really heavily. I think this is going to be another situation. They come out strong. Uh, I think Wales and Italy are going to be the two weakest teams in this competition with ease, but uh, Scotland is definitely going to be, um, hanging out to say the least. And I, like I said, I think being led by Finn Russell, depending as he keeps control of the ball and doesn't let his ego get the best of him. I, I think they should get this game. Um, Oh, you know, and overall in a terms of a prediction, I, I think this will be a good season. I, I do think that the doc will help guide people in and I definitely, definitely recommend it. Uh, you can check out my review of it. Uh, the last episode, or look it up on our YouTube page, uh, the Six Nations full contact uh, review itself. But 
when it comes to my prediction on who's going to end up winning it, I know the odds all speak to France and Ireland uh, going through with it. But I do think that this year is going to be very different. I think England is out stronger. Jamie George is now the captain. Ellis Genji, uh, Ellis Genji is, is still out there. They got a strong cast that is still in unison. Courtney Laws, obviously, as I said, uh, Michael George. Uh, and, and you got a lot of key players in a lot of spots. I actually personally think, and I die a little bit because nobody wants to root for England, but I think England actually comes out on top of this. I think Ireland and France will all lose one game. And I absolutely do not believe there will be a Grand Slam winner in this game. I, you know, uh, But I do put the points and say that put the points. I'm not under rugby odds uh, right now. Uh, England is going to take it. But if you guys want to get betting favorites on it uh, and you guys are really trying to look to you know, see where you can put money on, definitely go check out uh, on Rugby Wrap-Up. The rugby odds, it's myself, Matt McCarthy, uh, John Bradford, Bradford Layfield, John, uh, John Bradford Layfield, uh, and George Hook uh, of, of uh, Irish, uh, the Irish former coach, John JBL, the former wrestler, and just talking about it in more details. Great insight into it. Definitely go check that out. But let me know what you guys think. I want to know where do you guys feel like this Six Nations is going to be about? What do you think is going to be the overall standing for um, the the competition? Do you think that we're going to see more uh, casuals entering into it? Or do you think we're going to get another ho-hum, kind of end up in a predictable outing? You know, I'm hoping it becomes unpredictable. I hope Scotland comes in second, England first, France and Ireland on a surprising uh, third and fourth with uh, Wales and Italy uh, at the bottom, though. I want Italy to at least get a game. And Wales, you've had success in the past. You know, Italy needs a needs a not wooden spoon for once. <laughs> um, all right, y'all. We got one more set of commercials. We're going to be right back with reactions to the uh, comments. As always, talk to the people and respond because you guys – Leave the best comments and stories. We're going to be right back. This is Gifte Bailu with Rugby Swag. I'm going to let you get back to the show. I hope you guys are enjoying it so far. But in 2024, it is necessary that you have your own website. Don't let anybody tell you social media is the only place that you can be able to advertise. You need your own home. And the best home to be able to purchase online is through Green Geeks. This is the web host platform that gives you the most for the cheapest price, y'all. I've been using Green Geeks for almost 10 years now, and off of the WordPress platform, I've been able to customize and create websites to my desire and to the liking that I need. Included with it, they give you some of the best customer service in the business, and I cannot say enough about them. They have been able to be a great assistance to everything I do. And if you guys want to be able to start today at $4.95 per month, go to the link in the bio or the link in the caption, depending on where you're at, and go use it to help the show and get your site up right away. There's no reason that you need to be having complications, that you need to be having paying thousands of dollars to be able to do it, or even thousands of dollars per month to be able to get your website up. Go to Green Geeks, check it out, support the show. All right, let's get you back. 
All right, y'all, let's get back reacting to the comments, man, where we go and we talk to all these great people who have something to say about what we talked about in the previous weeks and uh, absolutely um, have, have you know, their insight uh, because there's a lot of information that even I don't always fully know and understand uh, when it comes to rugby. So... All right, so let's go ahead and take a look at our first set of comments. Um, all right, so starting off, uh, man, let's take a look at uh, from G Duncan eight zero one two. He responding to the. Uh, me really rooting on for Scotland and being like, yo, Scotland might be one of my favorite teams. Uh, G Duncan goes, uh, get ready. Hope that then disappointment is the nature of being Scottish in life and rugby. Follow Scotland and you won't be bored. You'll be frustrated, but you won't be bored. Absolutely love it. I Like I said, I, I told him I'm a New Orleans Saints fan. I understand uh, frustration is a faction of life. Um, my guy Joe Ritchie too said, I don't have a Netflix subscription, but I'd like to see this doc. So I might need to look into subscribing. Like you, I usually look more forward to Southern Hemisphere competitions like Super Rugby and the Rugby Championships. But I've watched all of the Six Nations the last five years, five or six years. It's a great tournament. A couple of years ago, 2019, the England Scotland Calcutta Cup. Match was amazing, a 38-38 draw that if you can find a replay on YouTube, you should absolutely watch a whole match. I hadn't gotten a chance still to do that, but I am going to absolutely uh, take a look at that. But I, again, you know, I, I think there's been upticks uh, definitely since the pandemic whenever everybody was in desperation. Uh, but, you know, I, I think there's been a, a buildup. Like I said, my my frustration that came with it was it felt like such an age version of, Rugby, so I think the last time I saw even anything really significant with the Six Nations, this was maybe 2017 or so. So, look, first impressions can make a very big difference. But like I said, you provide me some more information, and I am more than willing to be able to add into it. And like I said, I'm, I'm excited to see what this next uh, Six Nations is going to be like. Um, also, Joe uh, was saying... That nice of you to want Italy to win something, but after their abysmal World Cup performance, the calls for relegation, promotion in Europe with nations like Georgia, Portugal, and Spain getting a shot at Six Nations participation. I will say I, I can't disagree with that sentiment. Like Italy got so mollywopped in uh, in the um, got so mollywopped during the Rugby World Cup. Like it didn't feel like they were there. Like the only teams that really just were worse was like Romania, you know, uh, I mean, Italy beat some scripting, but I think it was like Romania or Portugal. Like that doesn't, doesn't count. And I, I feel like Italy is one of those teams that are incredibly frustrating because they are like almost the worst version of a tier one team. They are better than their next competition. In my opinion, like I think they're genuinely better than Georgia, Spain, and Portugal, even with the, the rise that those three teams have done. But they are so far worse than uh, obviously Wales and Italy, uh, Wales and Ireland and England and uh, um, France and Ireland. So it's so confusing because I've watched Ireland, uh, Italy play and they kill it. Shout out to Sebastian Negri who has a great story 
and was a great story about trying to over get your confidence back after trauma and and dealing with the losses that were happening uh during six nations and almost dying on the field as well but like yeah it's it's hard man italy is a tough one to be able to uh follow up with um next up we got my guy jason bray ultra sports going yo i heard about a great documentary series about two guys who rode from singapore to tokyo for the 2019 rugby world cup i heard they that was the best rugby docuseries ever made sir i fully agree with you it's almost like i like to put a few ads in here about it yeah and if you guys didn't know there's a few ads about it i think you guys should all check it out you want to check out the first two episodes we definitely have it on youtube and absolutely free on the website i'm probably gonna put the whole thing at some point but like i you know you know for me i think it was a great introduction into not only the rugby world cup uh for some but also to another walk of life in rugby and another aspect of it uh you know I, that, that's my humble opinion i i definitely think it's worth the investment and uh always supporting the show uh as well with that um YT World Traveler hit me with a couple in response to the Six Nations Full Cup. So I'm going to get them all in a row. Uh, they said Six Nations is a big deal, man. French rugby rocks. Welsh coal miners created rugby. I will miss Johnny Sexton. You know, there was a lot of complaints that I, I've heard that uh, I've been about Six Nations Full Contact. They didn't feel like either it wasn't technical enough, which I think is honestly one of the stupidest like arguments. Like that, that documentary should never would never need to be. A technical doc like this isn't this is a top funnel thing this is to bring in casuals and new spectators and feed them in like i, I remember one person on the x was like yo i wish they would like teamed up with squidge rugby and stuff i was like no squidge rugby's got his thing like world rugby and and six nations should team up but it wasn't going to be for a doc like that that would have been for an own separate thing on their own channel doing their own kind of stuff but really working to be able to inform people but that's a next level of educating and understanding but the documentary is to insert you're like a person like me insert have a reason to insert you in where you don't care about the teams but you care about the people and you want the people to do well um so uh as to the point that i was making uh one of the things that people felt was really missed was like talking about the history of whales and the coal miners and why that rugby is the way it is uh and why it is so important that they are functional because of the fact that they are blue collar to the end. And that thing has been such a corner, a backbone to Welsh culture for a century, you know? So uh, great, great, great responses in into that. Um, Rit the Rugger, who is absolutely dope ass dude. Uh, Rit the Rugger 160 goes in response to Owen Farrell heading to Rossing 92. He goes, now that Owen's plot armor being England's captain against red cards is gone, let's see if he makes legal tackles for a change. You know, look, I, yeah, Owen Farrell, man, that man is an artist on the field. Uh, clearly, everybody's got some little beef with him. It might be part of the reason why he's stepping away for his own uh, mental health reasons. I just want to break as well. But, like, I mean, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Like, I, I'm pretty sure if Rossing 92 kills it, you know, Owen Farrell, and he kills it at, at there, Owen Farrell probably will continue to rise up and just keep dominating. Uh, Rit the Rugger also continues to say, I've always had an interest in the five, six nations. Previously, it was the five nations before Italy joined in. Uh, late 70s, mid 80s, my club had an Irish uh, two Irishmen, two English, and a Scott in our lineup. 
hearing them banter about the Five Nations perked my interest. Uh, I'm not saying that I was watching the matches. This was the age of the rotary phone, after all. Did not, didn't get to see much rugby at all. One or two international matches a year from both hemispheres. Finally, the 2000s, I was able to sat get satellite rugby. I became a Wales fan. The Tiny Nation standing up to all the bullies was great to watch. Shane Williams, Hook, and the three Jones boys in the pack were a joy to watch. I think it was three grand slams in five years. Incredible. I am a Wales fan. Yo, and that's, look, that's the kind of passion that you want to be able to have across board. In my opinion, like when it comes to being able to introduce people in, you need to have that. For him, it was people talking about it in a way where they got to create a personalized affect in some way, shape, or form. I, I hope that all the leagues for the Olympics, they do a documentary for um, the rugby championships. They do a documentary for the Rugby World Cup women's next year. They do a documentary either before or after. No, definitely after. Uh, definitely after um, or and act, if not even during do a hard knocks kind of style where we see it live, whether with Amazon Prime or, you know, see what you can deal with Netflix. That means we got to go watch it. So Netflix is like this is worthy of the investment and not just cancel it off rip because people feel some type of way, like let these things evolve. Um, but again, you know, it is a, a process of getting people in. And so however it is you get in, man, oh, we, 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 we need to encourage it. Um, uh, Rit, uh, also commented on USA, uh, USA and world rugby, uh, uh, MLR team, the Anthem, uh, Carolina rugby being announced. Rit goes at the least they need to let it be known who the players are that are eligible to become Eagles. Every time you see a roster or a list of players picked up from past clubs, they need to have an eagle or a flag beside their name so people know who they should be interested in. Let it be known that although that Kiwi player looks sexy, he's not going to be representing the U.S. in the future, so your interest should be somewhere else on the pitch. I don't think that's wrong. I think that is a fantastic idea. You know, again, the point you need to do is to create stars and create personification so that people can be like, you are me and I am you. You know, you want to be able to get to that next level. You want to be able to see what the next person, uh, who the person to you aspire to or inspired by or hate, you know, or, or you know, that that is the rotation. I'm I aspire to be them. I'm inspired by them or I hate them. Like, that's what you want from sports, obviously, in a healthy way. That's not absolutely like, you know, destructive to people's mental and personal health but you know you, you want to be able to get the the most out of uh people like that so i would love that idea in terms of the anthem you know we'll, we'll see the player roster i think has come out there's been some trades made so you guys can take a look at that i think it's on the anthem's uh website and and to go through uh, and then uh, last was in response to the, the interview, please absolutely go check out our interview with A.D. Cooney and Ty Lewis of the Pacific Coast Rugby League. Uh, they had a we had a great conversation about rugby league. And we know that rugby union rugby league have a fierce rivalry with each other. Uh, fair and unfair. Um, but, you know, I, talking with them, it gave me a lot more sympathy and uh, better better feeling of the need for the cohesion between the two sports, how they can really intertwine and work together. Uh, of course, a rivalry is nice, but again, there's so many other sports that are trying to get in our pathway. Why waste it on our, you know, bastard cousins 
uh, that literally just wanted to get paid uh, when they were in, in their inception. Like, you know, especially as Americans and the, you know, anti-elitist attempts, like rugby league is not something that we should be so swayed. But again, I'm not taking away from union. Like I'm a union guy first and foremost, but it was good. But Jason Bray, Ultra Sports, was just like, let's go Broncos. Big rugby league fan because he's an Australian. And you know Australians love their absolute rugby league. Um, man, that is perfect. Um, oh, uh, my guy Joe Rich, uh, Joe Richie. Uh, saying, what was the name of the doc about the guys who uh, rode right uh, from Singapore? I tuned in the middle of that description. That is the documentary Singapore to Tokyo, any way you can. Uh, I should have it in the description, um, but uh, I will uh, I will have it in the description of this video when it's finishing uploading. Um, but you can check it out at seerugby.vhx.tv. Or you can check it out right on YouTube itself on my on this Gift Time Rugby page. Uh, it the first two episodes are up there now, and uh, we have the other ones that are available on that site. So absolutely check it out. Uh, I appreciate you, Joe. Thank you so much. Uh, and y'all, as I said, I truly, truly always appreciate you guys uh, being willing to converse with me and and talk about some good rugby that's going on in the rugby news that's happening to this um guys i hope you guys enjoyed this show that we had today thank you so much to karen from donahue uh for her expertise when it comes to getting kids ready for college using rugby in 2024 i learned a lot i hope you learned a lot as well i want to thank you guys please like i said check out our interview with 80 uh with uh 80 cooney and ty lewis of course we also had lance kavanaugh the previous week we uh spoke with craig dawson uh mike anderson of uh the james d robertson and Sullivan Rugby Foundation, uh, uh, Freddie, Ajud, uh, Freddie Henry Ajudwa, and a slew of other uh, interviews of people that are doing significant things in rugby. We got more coming out. Y'all, I, I want you guys to know that I want to keep you informed. I want to keep you guys knowing about who's doing what in American rugby, in world rugby that might not be talked about too much or might need their full story said because I'm learning every single day. And I want to be able to provide that lesson to you as well. In the meantime, I hope that you guys have a great rest of the week. And of course, I hope that you guys are happy. I hope that you guys are healthy. And we're entering into a new month, second month of the year. So I hope that you know that while you are still here, while you have an opportunity, while you are able to continue to do what you need to do or want to do, I hope that you know that you are truly highly favored. Until next time, you know.